0: Good morning, and welcome to HR Examiner's Executive Conversations. Today, we're going to be talking with Mike Erlin, who is the founder and CEO of Ability Map. Mike, how are you? I'm very well, John. How are you? All right. It's worth me telling everybody that you're doing the heroic deal of talking to me at 3 o'clock in the morning in Australia.
1: That, that is correct, mate. I'll tell you, the formula is, The formula is a teaspoon of peanut butter, a 20-minute ride on a bike, uh, a coffee, and a shower. And you can tell me if the formula works at the end of this. How's that?
0: (laughs) What do I say? Mike, you need more peanut butter.
1: (laughs) There's a mix. We're talking about formulas, aren't we? Isn't that what we're here to do?
0: Yeah, there you go. go. So so why don't you take a moment? Did I lose you?
1: Yeah, just for a second, you were saying, why don't I take a moment to – probably the folks should know that, yeah, I'm in Australia and it's early, so if there's a delay, we'll just check back. But you said, why don't I take a moment to – Introduce yourself. Yeah, yeah. So my name is Mike Irwin. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Ability Map, native center system, so I know the, the, the trials and tribulations of the rain that are going on, and I've been down here in Australia about 15 years.
0: So what is Ability Map?
1: Well, John, uh, I mean, a building up is essentially uh, kind of like Salesforce for HR is what we like to, to look at it as in giving folks the dashboard. It's probably something that from the, the the work that we've been in over the last year, we're finding it's becoming the bridge between HR and the business line and giving them a, a common way of talking and working together, which is kind of exciting. Probably a, a good way to tee into what we do is, by how we got here. Would that that work for you and why we got here? Sure,
0: sure, sure. That's great.
1: Yeah, the the short version is my partner is a gentleman named Kevin Chandler. And he's a brilliant gentleman. He's been about 50 years in uh, the human capital space, starting a staffing and recruitment company about 40 years ago down here called Chandler McLeod Group that he grew to become a uh, billion-plus-dollar company. So down here, he's, he's pretty well recognized and respected. When we came together in 2014, we both felt that there was an issue in, in productivity and performance. There's variability, and you see it across any business. And what, with him having, with he having worked in staffing and recruitment and all the great tools and technology and still seeing this pretty wide swing in variability and the roles that I've done over time with sales teams, development teams, you see this variability. We couldn't figure out why there was such a big gap. And anyway, we kind of set out to, to, to see if we could fix that. And, and how we found it is we went to DHL a few years ago, and Kev had, was involved with a, a business in placing indigenous folks down here. And he went to a uh, made of his who ran DHL and asked him if he could go out to the airport and talk to the folks that oversaw dispatch work. And Kev felt he could place these indigenous folks well in that role over at um, the domestic airport. He gave him a competency framework and said, you know, can you tell me the things that make people perform, that, you know, drivers of performance in these clubs? And the individual said, essentially, ABC, here they are. And Kep looked at it, and, you know, kind of like one of those moments where, you know, you, you ask yourself, is the printer on, <laughs> right? And he said, well, right. you know, how do I know this is right? And he, uh, he then went over to the international terminal and wanted to challenge it and asked the a line manager over at the international terminal the same thing and they said LMN right on the competency and he looked at it and he said they both can't be right and that was sort of the first epiphany that we had that there's variability or different views in how line managers for the same function look at how to drive a job You so think about the knock-on effect of that in terms of how we put out job descriptions or how we evaluate and interview people and that was just a light bulb moment for us and and so anyway, so he went on and he actually then got the actual high performers uh, the line managers, "Hey, show me who your people are. And he analyzed them up and down, in and out, like websites do. And he actually found the strongest common competencies that they held as a group were different than what most line managers thought. And, and that really just solidified the map. And we, we figured that if we could help businesses find what actually works in their unique environment and within a unique job, And within the subcultures, often within companies, um, objectively or as objectively as we can, or allow them to do modeling for how they want to, um, how they want, what they want people to do or what they need people to do, that whole future work stream, and then be able to evaluate people using that same framework that we'd have something, and that's what we set out to do. And so now we've, you know, we've got these dashboards and we've got these models that allow HR to kind of look at the, we call it human capability balance sheet, but to look at what you need or what you want and what you're working with and where the gaps are and, and look at the different ways that you can, you know, close the gaps and sort of partner you with the business. So we're Job Productivity Analytics tool. That's what we are. How's that?
0: Well, that that's interesting. So so th- basically, um, to spin it back to you, you create um, the best in the business, and use that as the foundation for uh, uh, an assessment. An assessment tool is that. Is that a simple um, version of what you just that, said?
1: Yeah, that's one way. But that's that's not that's that's one way, John. Because you know, oftentimes the best people. Well, there's all sorts of things, right? I mean, the best people that you have today may or may not be what you need tomorrow, right? And so, one of the things that we see as a gap in the space right now that wasn't being addressed is, you know, um, and it frustrates the heck out of me sometimes. I go into, we typically work with business leaders, right? People who are impacted by variability and performance. And Those who are impacted are the ones that are measured or compensated on top line. So you're talking heads of sales, you know, you know CLOs that are running a P&L or CFOs and CEOs that you know, need the bottom line. But what happens is when we flip over sometimes into the people function, and I think we as a you know HR tech industry, everyone's trying to get a button that answers it. And you can't <laughs> we still have to make decisions. So anyway, what we do with our with our tool is we take advantage of not only the the the, the, the actual measures of high performers, but we also incorporate experience of line managers. And we, we allow for modeling of either one or the other or a combination of both so that you can sort of dial in your dashboard as to what do you look for um, and, and, and what attributes and people are you looking for. And you can consider, you know, what actual performers do or what, or what experience you're looking for or what a group of people that might have what you're thinking. You think. do all that modeling, and that's how you tr- you trigger your dashboard.
0: So that sounds to me like um, getting really good at doing what we're doing right now, right? So you ask the people who are doing it what they think. You evaluate the people who are the extraordinary performers, and so so that sounds like a strategy for becoming more vulnerable to change rather than less. Mm,
1: yeah, I mean, um, I don't help me understand how how do you become more vulnerable? By anyway, what we what we see is that by having a common framework, a competency framework that is obviously mapped to all the ways we can measure people, but using that to as a as a common discussion and and framework that is used by business lines and HR for the first time we're talking the same language about people, and it's tied to what they are actually able to do or not able to do, and when you can identify what is actually driving your business through looking at high performers today as one as one path, that that seems to sort of, even though some people may be doing it, they're doing it inconsistently, they're doing it subjectively, and you have to kind of get rid of that or else you, you end up with a DHL example.
0: So I hear you, and, and I guess the question is, in this time where everybody's vulnerable in the business model, mm-hmm. how do you orchestrate this process so that you're not just, right? Every company in industry that's failed has failed largely because their best people were doing their best work, right? That's the paradox of the time that we're in. Mm-hmm. And when the, business, when the underlying business model changes, having the best people doing the best work they've ever done is the wrong answer. Right? that's what was that was what was going on at kodak and that's what was going on in the music industry and that's what was going on in for classifieds is the people who were the incumbents running the business did the best job ever and that's why they failed
1: right because they <laughs> kept going they kept going they kept going and they couldn't adjust and change or see that coming or or, or move fast enough that's what you're saying
0: yeah well well actually yeah. well, actually i th- I think it's it's Simpler than that. In order to change, mm-hmm. the executives knew they needed to change. In order to change, they had to fire all of the people who were doing the best work of their lives. And mm-hmm. that's emotionally not feasible. Well, that's, They that's knew amazing. there was something wrong. They knew that the model was changing, but, but they couldn't fire everybody. And so they rode mm-hmm. out the horse with the best people doing the best they could, and it failed. And uh, My question is, is, how do you select people who can navigate that?
1: Yeah, a, right it the- actually goes back to, it, it, it ties actually to your, your your previous good point, which is, you know, people are already kind of doing that. And and what I was saying is that if you have the ability to bring some structure to it, it helps. So, do you, I don't know if you play, you know, I used to play a bit of football, but you ever play fantasy football? You ever done that? No, no, movies?
0: no. Um, um, uh, my mother was a forward-thinking person who thought that, that, um, that I had... Little brains to begin
1: with. <laughs> Your mom's a wonderful to... person. My mom is too. But um, yeah, I, when my kids came time to playing football, I said no, don't do it. So I, I agree with you. But anyway, the thing that's yeah. kind of interesting is when I think about it, fantasy football teams are managed. I think with more objective data than we have in the people function to develop, coach, progress, and recruit people today. Okay, I um, think that's right. And, and, yeah, and so when you ask about how do you make those adjustments? <laughs> And I go back to the Salesforce analogy, which I've been growing up on for the last, for however long I've been around, 15, 20 years. But when you have the ability to define roles in your business, you know, structured, objective, whatever you want to call it, but either they reflect high performers or they reflect new areas of work where you think you're going to need a certain mix of skills and capabilities. And you've got all these, all these roles, all these benchmarks, all these profiles sitting there, and you've got your people cataloged on the same framework. How do you think that would help the executive be able to look more objectively at what they're going to need and who's capable of doing it? and, And so whether that's optimizing the current process, I'll go with that, because the fact is we in the people sector are smart, we've got some cool technology, but we've just sort of been missing the blood and the veins as to what really makes all these things go. And when you start being able to look at people from a standpoint of, competency competencies which are amalgamations of behavior and cognitive capability and we can start comparing that to how we've defined either by high performers or by what managers want or by skunkworks projects that you have going on or gig workers that you want coming in and you can start mixing and matching that the business starts to hum along a lot more like sports teams (laughs) which is one of my frustrations right when i used to fail you knew what a grinder needed to do. You knew what a bowman needed to do. You knew what the navigator needed to do. They all had certain functions. Fantasy football and the same thing. When it came to business, you hire somebody, and a third of the time, you go, oh, "Boy, that was a bad decision." Six months later, we can't see that. You know that the definition of what we need people to do is actually not that hard, but how you how you structure it, model it, and compare it, at scale is the piece that. Anyway, that's what we found was missing, and that's
0: what we've been doing. That's awesome. What a, what a great piece of work. So do you use AI in the in the work?
1: Okay. You remember when you and I first met a couple of years ago, you put that post out on Facebook, and you said, I'm going to do a survey and see who's using AI. And I told you, I said, John, we don't use EIA, AI this, machine learning that. Uh, you know, we're getting back to work. So we do not use AI today, okay? What we set out to do, John, was to take F, research that's out there in terms of predicting performance and and by my partner who's got 50 years doing this and is rock star good at this he said you have to look at cognition general mental ability behavioral evaluation and structured interview in today's world that those three would be the best so we've done that we, we do that and you and I talked about assessment time and I can you know we can go into that but that's not really the purpose if you don't know what the job is and how do you expect to measure anybody against it, or what you want the job to be. But anyway, AI. So AI is, we've tried to, you know, a value of ours is do the job right, and we feel that we've got a strong foundation. Over time, we will look to apply AI appropriately. But right now, we know, we manage, we can measure what's going on. And that degree of certainty we think is good right now, because AI quite frankly, scares the Jesus out of me sometimes, John. Machine learning is something else. We use machine learning in terms of how we optimize the questions that we use in our evaluation of people across these frameworks. So we have used that. We see that coming back in. But to be quite honest, we're going to be a little patient and watch what's going on with AI because I think there are a lot of learnings happening right now, and I think the risk of getting it wrong where you're abdicating responsibility to a machine today without having the knowledge or resource to manage it. Our view is, you know, let's just do the job right right now, and then as we get traction with that and keep doing that, then we'll look and see what we can do.
0: Got it. That, it's interesting. Most of the people that I talk to don't make a distinction between machine learning and AI. So that's, that's it. it's, totally interesting that it's,
1: it's interesting
0: that you do. It's interesting that you do. So the question that I end up having is: you've got this, you've got this scheme for getting the right person into the right role, but roles are changing very rapidly, and I'm sure that you'll tell me that you can help a company who can tell you what they want the role to become. But my experience is that most can't figure out the answer to that question. Yeah. Uh, so, so how do you how do you use this? yours to make sure that we're on track for the evolution that we need to do?
1: Yeah, great question. And actually, you can also apply that, John, as to, um, A, understanding your culture and how you want may want your culture to shift from where it is. One of the things that we've been doing is measuring people's culture, because culture is essentially... Uh, an amalgamation of the behaviors that are displayed in the environment, right? That's what culture is. It, it doesn't let's let's let us
0: let us let us table that. I don't I don't buy that definition, but but let's let's okay, so um, we'll, all
1: right we'll come back to that. But what we <laughs> what we look at is that um, I'll give you a, I'll give you an example. A mate of mine runs a, runs a division uh, for a big sort of tech communications company. Um, he's got about two thousand people in this division and they sort of operate under a five nines world, right? Um right. he tells uh he, he we're talking and he says, you know, Mike, what I gotta do is I've been asked to sort of find innovation, stunkworks in here. And he goes, But I don't really know what that is. I kinda got a feel, but I don't know what it is. And I I say, All right, Dave, so here's here's what you gotta do. Are there anybody in in the group that that exhibit what you think you're looking for? And he goes, Yeah, ironically it's this group of standout people who are sort of the, you know, the um the Eastern European <laughs> guys over there, people over there, and they sort of have this way of working that I think right for this innovation. And I said, okay, well why don't we go let's still find out what they're all about. Let's still imprint them. That's our evaluation. Let's find out what they have in common. Let's provide you that data. And then think about the other fun the other aspects of the role that you would want to incorporate. And we have a tool and a process to allow individuals or groups to go about that sort of process online and Stuff. and then let's combine that and then we got a stamp of what you're looking for you let's give that a run for a while and then let's compare
0: how that's going that's how we do it john okay that's that seems like a pretty reasonable approach to do it so what's the big thing coming are you coming out of australia and moving to the united states what's what's the future look like for you <laughs>
1: well i think i mean the, the, the future the, the future for us john and um you know I've been doing this 20 plus years, and you know Kev's been in the sector of 50, and you know, you know he's, you know, he's 71 years old. He's, he's, he's wanting to sort of finish this unfinished business that he started. You know, map was my vision, but it was Kev's unfinished business after I you know I learned that after working with him for a while. I think what we feel like our vision will be is for the first time it appears in our in our clients and we have customers in the U.S. and we have customers in Australia. For the first time, what's happening is there's a partnership between HR and the business because of the way that we enable the business to define and communicate back what they need. This is not HR creating what they think the business needs. This is the business having the capability to define what either is working and or what they want, delivering that to HR, enabling HR to show what they're currently working with in their existing workforce show um, how they're adjusting learning and development, performance coaching, or, or you know, succession planning to, to fill that gap or recruiting, right? And then delivering those new capabilities and working with the business. So I guess in some sense, what the vision is, is that in the business side, we're, we think we can close that chasm or we've got a pretty good shot at doing it. On the bigger side, sort of the big, big vision, is when I, when I grew up in, in Northern Cal, I grew up with a, a guy named Chris Fair and Ellen Fair. And Chris Fair's dad was Bill Fair. And Bill Fair started the Fair Isaac Company, and you know all about the FICO store. So when I came to Australia, what I wanted to see was every individual on the planet having an imprint all right, that could be released under their authority, and applied to any job in which somebody has defined a job so you get a, a FICO score equivalent, we call it the AMCO score, against the roles that determine your suitability of job. And if we do that, then we think we're driving human productivity and satisfaction, and that's a good thing. So that's a big vision, mate.
0: Right? So who's the customer?
1: Today we're working uh, – today our, our complete focus is reducing and minimizing variability in performance across teams and businesses. And so we tend to – the key stakeholders, the ones who are impacted by that variability and hence measured on it, are tend to be heads of business line, just as I mentioned earlier. And we do focus quite a bit on the candidate experience in that we provide Mike's good at general management. It's whether Mike's good in general management in this particular environment and culture that requires these, and that's where the businesses get the value, right? The difference between a salesperson at Oracle and a salesperson at Cornerstone, same function, totally different skills needed to do it, right?
0: Right. So interesting conversation today. What do you want to be sure of listeners away from our talk?
1: I guess what I would what I would challenge. The listeners to think about, and if they agree with it, to reach out is—it's all about the job. And to your point, it's not just about what's currently high performance in a job. It's how's that job changing, what changes in it, and until you define it, there's no point in spending training and development dollars, no point in coaching people, no point in in recruiting through it if you don't know what you're looking for. And so it all job, and until you do that, you're all blind dogs in a neat house.
0: So why don't you take a moment and reintroduce yourself and tell people how to get a hold of you.
1: Thank you, John. My name is Mike Erlin. I am the CEO and co-founder of Ability Map, based out of Sydney, Australia, operating both here and in my home country, United States. My email is Merlin, M-E-R-L-I-N, at Map
0: Merlin, that's easy to remember. Merlin at AbilityMap.com. Thanks
1: Thanks very much, John. I I was very much looking forward to this, and I appreciate your time and and that of your audience. Thanks very much.
0: Thanks very much. It's been great having you, Michael. You've been listening to HR Executive Conversations. We've been talking with Merlin, who is the CEO and co-founder of AbilityMap, and you can reach out to him at Merlin at AbilityMap.com. Thanks again for listening in, and thanks again, Mike, for the time to do this. Bye-bye now.